Over the years, I've been sharing the things that I'm learning about parenting, things that I read in books, things that I experiment on in my own lab, my family, and I've been sharing what has really resonated with me and what's worked with me. But <laughs> I must make a confession and expose the hypocrisies, the very many contradictions and paradoxes that occur within me, within my own mind, within my family, my parenting practice, and what I outwardly preach. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Avital. I am the mother of five and I'm a mindful parenting coach. You see, there are many things that I am drawn to, that I believe in and that I share with you guys. And then as time goes on, or perhaps just in the way that it resonates or works in my individual family and with my unique children, it didn't really work out that way or I opted for something else or I changed my mind. So I think in this video, I'm going to tell you several of the things that I have preached outwardly that I still still respect and support and believe in in many ways, but that I don't necessarily practice at home with my children. And I hope that this liberates you from any dogmatic kind of thinking, any kind of perfectionism, any imagination or projection onto me that I'm doing it perfectly because that is so far from the truth. In fact, you have to know that one of the main things that my eldest son tells me all the time is, you call yourself the parenting junkie and you don't even know what you're doing or you're the worst mom ever. Or our family joke is you're not the parenting junkie, you're the parenting donkey. <laughs> yes, lovely, I know. So without further ado, things that I have said somewhere in videos or blogs or articles, but I'm not currently practicing. Number one, unschooling. I made a video years back on why I was drawn to the philosophy of unschooling and I still think it holds tons of wisdom and nuggets in it. Things like intrinsic motivation, consent-based learning, child-led learning, all sorts of things like that. And just knowing that children learn naturally and naturally really pick up the skills of their culture if they're given the freedom to do so. I'm still a big fan of Peter Gray and Alfie Cohn and lots of different writers in this space and I appreciate and admire my close friends who are hardcore unschoolers. Many of them are whole life unschoolers, which means they don't have boundaries around screens or sugar or all that stuff, bedtimes, and it works for them. However, over the years, I have found that it has not worked for me. I needed more structure. I needed more support in the form of babysitting from various programs that I could drop my kids off. And Running a business and a big family, I actually sometimes needed to make the decisions for my kids around where they were going to go, what programs they were going to be part of, and what kind of homeschooling curriculum we were going to do at home, whether they wanted to or not. I've given them a lot less choice and freedom than you might imagine based on my previous you know, statements about unschooling. I also have felt that I have come into a much more middle of the road approach. I have felt that it is my role to teach my kids certain skills that they probably won't pick up naturally. Things like our second language, which we're not living in a culture where they're just gonna pick it up, but I do feel like that's a really important skill that I owe it to them, to give to them, and whether they like it or not, I'm going to make that part of our homeschool curriculum. I also have felt that I just feel a certain level of 
of need to align somewhat with grade level, you know, very loosely, so that I know that I'm not really missing out on anything big. I don't have that confidence that they'll just learn it when they do, and if they don't, that's fine. I have felt that I want to somewhat keep up with what's going on in a school system. And sometimes we've used hybrids with schools, like going three days a week. And if I'm you know, busy or pregnant or exhausted or I need more, then I will sign them up for more days. And I've been so blessed to have those options. We've really worked hard to find them and to figure them out. So my point is we are not hardcore unschoolers. We're not unschoolers actually in any shape or form. We do homeschooling. We do it through the focus time process that I have shared in my focus time course. And we also do it by utilizing programs, schools, uh, or whatever we have available, depending on where we live, our schedule, our budget, all of that good stuff. So yeah, we're not unschoolers. Number two is co-sleeping. And really anything to do with natural sleep learning in babies. I think co-sleeping is amazing. I think it's natural. I think it's healthy. I think it's probably a really, really good bonding practice. I think it probably increases so many good things for babies. And everything I read about it makes a ton of sense to me. And I also think not, you know, Hardcore sleep training and not letting babies cry it out is probably best for their brains and best for our bonding, and I really support parents who can do that. I have found that co-sleeping has never really worked for me past the age of three months. Uh, when babies start to move around, roll around and kick, etc., I get exhausted. I uh, don't function well the next day, and I found that the trade-off has not been there for me. I have needed to transition them into their own crib uh, for the next few months and then into their own room. And and with some of my babies, depending on their personalities and depending on what's going on in my life and how much support and resources I have, I've had to uh, really sleep train them in a way. So I have a whole video about how I went through my sleep struggles with my fourth child. But I just wanted to say and put it out there really clearly that we have let babies cry in various ways and, you know, in various gradual and support and unsupported and all different ways. And, and I don't want you to get the projection or the idea idea that you're some kind of terrible parent or that you've damaged your kid if you haven't successfully co-slept with them until they're three and then let them naturally learn to sleep by themselves. If you can, kudos to you, wonderful. If that's not what works for your personality, for your health, for your um, schedule and routine, then I am with you and I have absolutely prioritized sleep. And the truth is I feel pretty unapologetic about it. I know a lot of people will criticize me for this, but I have felt that prioritizing the health um, of our family in terms of getting enough sleep for me and my children has been well worth it. So if you imagine that I just never let my babies cry and that I just have this incredible, unshakable bond that's always based on attachment, then that's not correct. <laughs> I certainly have gone through massive crying periods in trying to teach them to sleep. And ultimately, I have felt that it has been worth it, although heart and gut-wrenching <laughs> at times. The next one is never saying no. I know that this is a strong parenting trend to never use the words no, especially with a toddler. And it's something that I think makes a lot of psychological sense. I've read about it in Dr. Daniel Siegel's work and others, and I've actually shared about it in my video of turning your no into a conditional Yes, and I think that's a great practice and I certainly strive for it. However, uh, my, <laughs> my uh, reactive mode and just my default way of talking often does involve saying, no, I don't let you do that, or no, stop, or whatever it is. And I'm not 
usually as mindful or as aware of how I phrase those things to my toddlers or to my uh, young children as you might imagine <laughs> based on my videos. So I just want you to know that if you find yourself talking in ways that seem more harsh or more reactive, or uh, just not as mindful as you would like. I'm with you, we are in the same boat um, as much as I preach that and I think it's a good idea. It's really hard to implement and also I don't like the feeling of being inauthentic and constantly measured or treating my children as so fragile that I have to get everything perfect. I see these tools as tools that I work towards and that I implement when I'm in my higher self, when I have more resources or when things are really challenging and I really need to get a handle on it. And the rest of the time, I give myself permission to just be myself and communicate in my regular way, which isn't so incredible. <laughs> Leading on from that is also no timeouts. So I did a whole video years back on turning your timeouts into time-ins. And again, I think time-ins are better if you can hack it, if you can sit there with your child as they calm down. Sometimes if you have too much on your plate, like I sometimes do, too many children to take care of, or your mind is just not there, or you're feeling a bit depressed or under-resourced or under-supported, or if your child is incredibly spirited and tantrums regularly for long, aggressive tantrums that actually hurt you, then you're likely to get really triggered when you have a time in. I have found that sometimes I try and take my child to have their tantrum in their room and to sit with them and to to have a time in with them, um, but I'm getting triggered and I'm, let's say, grabbing them too hard or gritting my teeth, and I think in that case, I'm making it worse. And so I think that in that case, it is important to tell a child you need to go and take a break. And the point is not to come from a punishing uh, energy, like I'm not, you know, abandoning you or neglecting you, I'm actually teaching you anger management skills and myself too. We're both getting into a power struggle. We're both really heated right now. We both need to take a break. You go and chill out in your room until you're calm. And I will enforce that physically with a boundary. Like I won't let you out and I'll do so as gently as I possibly can with the least amount of control as I can and do this the least often that I can. Um, but I do do that. And so if you think that I never use timeouts or I never send a child to their room, that's incorrect. I do sometimes need to do that. And I don't, again, I don't feel apologetic about any of these things because I really don't believe in perfectionism. And I really believe that we all need to take all of these tools in a non-dogmatic way and make them work for our families. I don't believe anyone gets it perfectly right, especially if you have a little bit more chaos going on, a little bit of a bigger life in terms of, you know, you're, you're working, for example, or you have other stuff going on. If you're focused solely on one child and this is all you do, then maybe you can hit that level of perfectionism with the special time and all the peaceful parenting and do everything stellar and kudos to you if you can. I can't and I'm okay with that trade-off because I've made those decisions because there are other things I also want in my life and therefore I can't perform perfectly in this arena. But I have the tools and I think time-in is a fantastic tool. I just think that sometimes a timeout is necessary in the sense that a child needs to go away from us or we need to go away from them and not sit with them through their big emotions because we can't handle that very well because we'll get triggered and make it worse uh, because we have 
have zero energy for it. And I just, I give myself permission to do that. After the fact, we can always reconnect, we can always process, we can always uh, repair any kind of damage to our attachment at that point. But I don't think my children need perfection from me. I don't think they need to never uh, be shown that if you behave in really antisocial ways, if you're destructive or violent, you are gonna be asked to leave. I don't think that's a bad lesson for them to learn. Similarly, number five is no punishments. So of course I don't believe that punishments are effective. I've read all of Alfie Cohn's work. I've read Dr. Laura Markham's work and Dr. Shefali Tabari's work and Janet Lansbury's work and on and on and on and on. And I love it all. I totally relate. I totally agree. I get the psychology behind it. I preach it. I teach it. And yet, confession, coming clean time. I think I'm a little bit hypocritical about this sometimes because we do sometimes resort to punishments. We do sometimes take away things like screens or opportunities or privileges based on certain behaviors. And I have to say that I think a little drop of behavioralism is a tool that all of us can sometimes rely on, especially with certain children. Certain children that are particularly persistent, uh, that are little lawyers and negotiators, uh, that really if you give them uh, an inch, they take the whole yard. That type of child that really makes it very, very difficult to set boundaries peacefully. A child who is spirited, a child who is incredibly um, activated and does not uh, respond well to freedoms always. Those type of children sometimes really need practical um, consequences, uh, logical consequences that happen as a result of their behaviors. And I have found that that has been a necessary tool for me with a particular children of mine. And so sometimes the, the thinking for me is, Am I doing this to punish them in a vengeful way? Am I trying to hurt them back? Am I trying to cause them uh, pain because they were causing me pain? Am I being babyish and, and power struggly about this? Or am I helping them learn that there are consequences to your behaviors, that when you behave in a certain way, adults don't want to extend special privileges to you. Adults won't offer you the freedoms that you were otherwise afforded because you haven't taken responsibility for your behavior. And when you behave in, a, in an emancipated and sovereign way, then you will be able to achieve those freedoms. That feels good to me. And um, that doesn't feel manipulative to me. So that's how I check in. And I think from the outside, it could often look like punishments. And sometimes when I'm in my smaller self, it is. Like sometimes I'm being vengeful and petty. But most of the time, I try to use logical consequences as a way of being a proxy for the world. Like out in the world, if you behave in this way, it's not gonna be tolerated and in our family, I'll still love you and talk respectfully to you as much as I can, but it also won't be tolerated and I do need you to learn that. So yeah, if you think I never use punishments in that way, you're wrong, I do. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> The next one is being hypervigilant and really on top of the content that my children are consuming. At the moment, we don't do much screen time. We do about, I would say about four hours a week. Twice a week, we have a slot of screen time because we're really busy doing other things. And we certainly do a lot of screen time for our focus time, like Khan Academy and that kind of thing, like the learning programs that we do virtually. But in terms of just entertainment and binging on Netflix or video games, it doesn't happen that much. But when it does, I have to say that I'm probably a lot less vigilant and careful than you might imagine. I think there's so much to be said for parents watching things in advance and checking the content that their children are consuming and making sure that it is age appropriate, that it is aligned with their values. Um, I just sometimes 
don't have the patience for that, don't have the time for it, and kind of let that slide. And I'm a lot less perfectionistic and careful than maybe you might have assumed. You might have thought that I was, but I'm not. <laughs> so what that means is that if my kids are doing their screen time, especially the older ones, if they're on, say, Netflix or something and they're just in the kids section, I'm not then going through and watching first or checking uh, what they're what they're watching before they do. Unless it's something that is for my younger children or something that we're doing, you know, for a family, like watching a family movie or, or with other kids as well. Uh, with my own kids, I'm a little bit more lax and trusting about the content that they consume. However, uh, I am pretty strict about social media. We don't allow any kind of social media at this moment, except for the ones that are really completely closed loop, um, where kids can meet only their friends and they're not open to the interwebs with other people. So just a side note. The next one that I have to come clean on is the no sticker charts video. I made a video about no sticker charts and why I don't like them. Um, and then <laughs> we got into a really bad cycle with my son being incredibly negative, talking back, being rude, just constant arguments. And we needed a change. We needed an energetic shift. And so I found a way to make the sticker chart work for me. So I still don't like it as a manipulation, as a, well, you have to do all of this perfectly and then you get a prize. But I did like it as a challenge. And I set us a challenge and I participated in it too. And all the kids decided they had a choice if they want to participate in it. And when they participated in the challenge, what that basically meant was we had a list of of ways uh, that we wanted to behave that week, being more respectful to each other, being more helpful, uh, doing things on time, that kind of thing. And we kind of earned points as a family and then we earned uh, screen time or an outing or uh, something like that. And so I just say this to come clean <laughs> with you that I think everything that I say that I would never do, I then often will find ways to adapt it that do feel right to me. And I just want you to apply that same filter is just ask yourself, is there a way of using this tool that feels better to me if it's not manipulation, if there's choice in the matter, uh, if it's done using prizes that I align with rather than just more plastic? I don't know, whatever it is that would align it with your values. I think something I've always stood behind, and I am not hypocritical about this one, <laughs> is that I, I'm allergic to dogma. I really don't like dogmas where people say this is an absolute rule and it, and it applies to everyone because I believe that everyone is so different, that each one of us is vastly different individual and so are our children, so are our circumstances. And we've got to cater these things to us. That's why I'm making this video because I want you to know that I share these ideas and the whole point is for you to run it through your own filter and see what works for you in creating family bliss. Okay, number eight, and this is a big one, okay, is minimalism. I have a lot of videos out there about minimalism and I think I think many people would still consider me a minimalist, but when I compare myself to other YouTubers or people that I see teaching about minimalism and they have nothing in their houses, <laughs> then I'm probably a maximalist. And I've discussed this. And really, I like the word minimalism, but it's come to be a little bit of a label. Uh, people shame each other for how minimalistic they are or judge each other or say, you're not a true minimalist. I 
take that word to mean having only what you need and enjoy. Um, so I guess the point is that yes, I shop and yes, we have stuff and we have a lot of toys and we have a decor and I have a lot of clothes, um, but I try to be precise and I try to regularly declutter and I try to be conscious about my consumerism and about materialism and I try to be um, really having spaces that are well organized, that function well, and have only the stuff that we truly love and need and serve us. So that's kind of what I mean by it. But I think uh, some people might assume that we never shop or that my kids have very few toys. Um, and that's just not the case. We're just not very hardcore about anything really. And so I just want you to know that that's how I use that term. And that's why I think it's so helpful in our life. Cause I think the organization and the decluttering and having less stuff really, really makes a big difference to our mental health, to our time management, to the way our children play. But that doesn't mean I'm hardcore about it. One additional thing that I preach but don't practice as much is EC, elimination communication and cloth diapering. So we do do elimination communication in a kind of very chilled format, at least now with my fifth baby. And we have done some form of it with all of them and early potty training for sure. And we've also used primarily cloth diapers. In fact, I used to have a cloth diapering company back in the day, small known fact. But we also use disposables. So although I'm totally a fan of cloth diapers, I believe in them, I think they're better for the environment and everything, I've also sometimes gotten a little bit lazy uh, and use disposable diapers. And often we do rely on the diapers and don't do much EC at all, like for for certain days or for certain times. So if you imagine that I just perfectly EC my kids from birth and use only cloth diapers, then I'm sorry to disappoint, but that's not the case. And that's it really for all of the things that I think I've been hypocritical about. There are probably a whole bunch more. However, I will say that I think people often make assumptions about people you see in the street, people on Instagram, people out there on YouTube or wherever, about how they really live, about their opinions on controversial topics like circumcision or religion or vaccination or school, um, about all sorts of things. Uh, and I think there's so much room for us to have these conversations about ideas without then boxing ourselves in as people. I want you to watch my video, Labeling is Disabling, because labeling disables us adults as well. When we are labeled, like she's an attachment parent, she's holistic, you know, uh, she's whatever, um, a wry parent, we don't give ourselves the freedom to pick and choose. And I think really cherry picking what works for you, filtering it through your filter, and then also adjusting it and adapting it as you grow, as your children grow, uh, to work for you and your individual needs based on the very complex puzzle that is your life, your values, your goals your resources, your personality, your health, your finances, your relationships, everything that makes you you and your child your child is going to influence how you interact with these ideas and how you practice them. And so I guess I just want you to know that for me, it's a never ending iteration. I dabble, I experiment. I really give myself the freedom and permission not to be locked into one way and to experiment. 
to try things out. Like I said, I'm against sticker charts, but then I came up against a hard time and I tried it out. And guess what? It was a great experience for my family. And so I want you to really give yourself that same freedom. There are probably many parenting processes that you uh, align with and believe in, but that you feel you're falling short on. And so flip that around in your head. You're not falling short on them. You're just cherry picking which parts of them work for you and making them uh, work for you, making them apply to your particular situation. And there is no shame in that. There needs to be no apology for that. It's okay to be a hypocrite. It's okay to be weird or to be an outsider or to not do things perfectly. At least I feel totally fine about that. I think it's the human condition. So as all of my videos, this one was designed to help you to love parenting and to parent from love, really to create family bliss. If you liked it, give it a thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. I would love to see you back again here next week. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.